to another episode of Dr. Scoff and the Prof. Oh, and it's a very special episode today. It is. Where are we, where are we doing this episode? Live from the uh, potato wing. Potato wing. Of uh, Evans Towers. Evans Towers. So uh, Bryce's house. The library. Library, sorry. Sorry. Uh, the, the wing of his house that, ho- that hosts the most amount of books I've ever seen. Dedicated to the potato. Dedicated to the potato. So. But we're not talking about potatoes today. We're not. No, no. We are talking about Easter and Easter eggs. Indeed. Indeed. But before we go into that, we've got to talk about the name of the podcast. The running gag being that I don't like the name of this. Well, it's not a gag. You really don't like I the really name. really don't like it. So as always, I've gone out to the uh, Twitterverse and asked you, the lovely listeners, uh, if you can think of any good alternative names for the podcast. With, of course, a food studies food history theme sure because that's what the podcast is about that's why we're here that's exactly that's why we're here so uh, I've got a couple I'll see what you think I've got one for the kids Uh, Frying Nemo Frying Nemo I don't really you know like Finding Nemo I I know know, I've seen the film but why is it Frying like you you know cooking cooking. but what's that got to do with the Easter thing there's no there's no (laughs) oh there's no link to the Easter thing not even there's not even any pretense fish fish and, and religion I guess Okay, all right. Yeah, all right, go on then. So you're not a fan of that one? No. Okay, I've got another um, film-based one. We haven't done a film-based one in a while. But we usually link these to the theme of... Well, we've got, the I've got one that links links to that. Okay, okay you're building this, up, you're building up. I'm building up to it, building up to it. It's not as good as these. This one, I think, is an absolute belter. Okay? Go on. Mad Facts Beyond the Ponderdome. All right, okay, so that's a, a reference to the Mad Max sequel. Yeah, don't sound, don't sound too enthused about it. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that is an absolute belter. Mad facts beyond the Punderdome. Two men enter, one man leave. I think um, without wanting to do a disservice to our loyal listenership, yeah. you can be a little bit too convoluted and clever with some of these puns, can't you? Okay. What are you building up to? Building up to one, but I mean, I don't think they're as good as, as the one... That's that last one. I think that's up there. That's in like yeah. the top three of all time. Okay. Uh, the the uh, the other one was uh, two experts. Two experts. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's at least it's Easter egg. So you're happier with that one. Themes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. Okay. For right. given the theme, given the time of the year that's in it, Easter. Okay. Easter eggs and the theme, of course, Christ being time. Easter foods today and <laughs> Easter eggs, right? Okay. Fine, yeah. Okay. So the first section of this podcast, we always talk about um, food in the news. Yes. Food and news. So I, I uh, went on the internet once again, uh, had a look at some really interesting books, because all books are interesting. Most of them are anyway. And I found some interesting facts as well, but we'll talk about some of those a bit later. But some interesting stats, certainly. Uh, so food in the news, there's an Easter egg that's come out by Dairy Milk. Dairy Milk, supersized crunchy easter eggs a really big easter egg i actually mm. went to the shop and laid my hands on this behemoth mm-hmm. and it's got it's been in the news because it has 330 grams of sugar in it yeah i think that that's grotesque and obscene it is it is it's around 70 well 17 days worth of sugar or the oh, daily allowance that a normal human being should have. 17 days worth of well, sugar. As, as Britain soars to the top of the childhood obesity global charts, I think that's 
faintly ludicrous and quite upsetting. Uh, there were some others as well. Uh, there were some stats. Some of these stats are a bit old and a bit dubious, but nevertheless, as most things are on the internet, it feels like at the moment. Um, one in four adults have eaten a whole Easter egg around three weeks before Easter. You mean they've not fulfilled their Lenten vows? They've just, they've just chowed it down. Have you done that yet? Have you eaten a whole Easter egg yet? I haven't, but I do observe Lent. So I do give things up for Lent. Do you? Yeah. What are you giving up this? Can't mention it's a family. It's a family show. Okay, I won't. I won't ask. There's also quite a lot on the news about the fact that these Easter eggs. Again, this is the same kind of theme around, I guess, obesity crisis. But the, the Easter eggs are going on the shelves earlier and earlier every, yeah. every single year. January. Do you know Boxing Day? Mm. They had Easter eggs on the shelf in my local supermarket. It's highly cynical. So straight after Christmas, straight after Christmas, New Year, yeah. you're, you're into Easter. That's it, yeah. Yeah. But do people realise, when you say all that, you know, have we, have we lost the meaning and the real history and significance and ritual around Easter with all this? I, I, well, when we, meant, when we did our Christmas episode, I think, I think yeah. I think we're, we're, there's still some, I guess, some symbolism there, but really it's commercialised. Mm. Same, as, same as Christmas, isn't it? I mean, it's not about... Christianity in any way it's it's just about how much chocolate you can stuff down your gullet and yet traditionally the Easter egg a symbol for Christians yeah of rebirth yeah and at some point uh, it's supposed to symbolize the stone is that right the cave I read that somewhere too so there's a lot of symbolism for the egg I mean but if you go back in, in into the past that symbolism of the egg has been around for a long time and, and it's always meant like you said rebirth Mm. And when you crack the egg, it's, it looks like the sun. Springtime mm. is when it gets warmer. So there's lots of religions that have that um, sort of symbolism. And I suppose the more secular uh, variants of the Easter Bunny. And yeah. We were talking earlier about how the Easter Bunny, which we have here, is in different. different in other countries. Yeah, yeah. I, mentioned it, I mentioned that I'd found some stuff around that, but I'm going to leave that till oh, we okay. get into our just, just a taster. Just a taster. I just, but, I just teased you. With but that. I suppose in terms of the Christian tradition and even the sort of Eastern... Orthodox tradition, it's the symbol of uh, Christian rebirth and renewal. Yeah, essentially, yeah. But it's a sort of early modern thing we're talking. It's not It's not really ancient, that's the consensus, isn't it? It's more, it's sort of 15th, 16th century onwards. Well, the the decorated egg is, yeah, yeah, the decorated egg is. And again, I'll, I'll, we'll probably come on to that okay. a little bit later. But I wanted to just um, give you a, a few more um, facts. Oh, more facts. Okay. Well, not facts, sorry, but in the news facts. I guess we're kind of blending the two in together this time around. Yeah. How do you eat your chocolate bunnies? Is this a, a, a is there a punchline? No, 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 no. How do I eat them? How do you eat them? Do you, which which end do you go for first, the feet or? Oh right, okay. Um, or the ears? I don't, I wouldn't really give much thought. I suppose the yeah. ears, yeah, because they stick out. Yeah. It's around three quarters of people eat the sadists just eat eat the the bunny from his ears downwards. A little fluffy tail. You imagine somewhere there's, there's this has been commissioned. This has been commissioned. Money's been put into this type of research. Where does this study come from? Well, it comes from various, various places, but they're marketing research. Uh, a couple of others. These, these again, were a little bit worrying. There was some conf- conflict over how many eggs a kid gets. So some were saying it was between six and nine. Some were saying between five and eight. Well, it depends on the size of the egg, of course. We're talking just well, like these, a- these are sort of the... the Larger eggs. Six to nine. I mean, we'd be lucky if we per got kid. one. Per kid. Who? Who? Well, as, a, as a kid, would you get more than one Easter egg? Yeah, I'd get more than one Easter egg, yeah. Have you seen me? Of course I Six to nine? Yeah. And then, and then more worrying, uh, they usually eat them within around four days. 
That's what the research says. The six to nine eggs. Well, the five. Yeah. The, well, as I said, conflicting reports, but around the sort of five. And these to are nine. big. These are bigish yeah. eggs. These are approaching the size of a rugby ball, maybe. Well, yes. Half so, the size of a rugby ball. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's worrying, yeah. isn't it? It's it's almost grotesque. It's almost obscene. It is. Well, I think it is obscene, yeah. to be honest. So um, now I know we've blended in a few of the facts, but let's get into the facts. Of course, I'm gonna. I've dug out an old favourite. Go one of the best jingles. So do you want to just? Uh... Oh yes, go on. Okay. Facts. facts. Got any facts? Okay, yeah. There, there you go. I've, I've dug out an old favourite there. Would you, you? You want? Are you happy they're back? I quite like the old facts jingle. Good. I'm not quite sure why it's a sort of dodgy, roddy. Cockney, but it, it works. Who else? Who else could introduce such a thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, some facts. I was looking at uh, as we were talking about before. There's a little bit of symbolism and a bit of history to the symbolism of, yes. of using uh, the, the Easter Bunny, especially. So, we were talking about that it, that there's symbolism around some of the shapes. There's also symbolism as well with the Easter Bunny. So, mm-hmm. the Easter Bunny is a symbol of Again, uh, springtime, uh, renewal, and mm. as you remember from when you were a kid, the Easter Bunny used to come and deliver you your yes. Easter eggs. And illustrated by the fact that elsewhere in other European countries it's a hare or a bird or a fox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Germany, it's a, it's a fox. Yeah. So kids will go and create little nests and then the fo- Easter fox will come and deliver eggs to your little it's nest oh for heartwarming yeah and in switzerland it's a cuckoo why not yeah so that again that get they create nests that makes more sense because a bird really really the swiss have it down don't they because a bird is the only animal that we've mentioned so far that actually lays eggs so yeah it kind of that makes a bit more sense to me and a great one i found was in australia they don't have an easter bunny why why are they such killjoys? Because I think it was in the, the Aboriginal tradition, is no, it? No, 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 no. This is in, in Australia itself. They have something called a bilberry. So the white settlers have started a new tradition. Yeah, the, it's called a, I'm pretty sure a bilberry. It's an animal that it's very cute and cuddly and, and it's got big ears, but it's not a rabbit. Yeah. What do you know much about Australia and their relationship with rabbits? Oh, there was a big rabbit genocide there, a rabbit war. They hate them. Yeah. They consider them a pest. Ah. So so, uh, I think it was the, there's a foundation there that essentially wanted people not to celebrate the rabbit because they're seen as a, as a pest. I think they, I don't think it's an actual native species of Australia. And that's one of the reasons they Ah. keep, they keep killing them. So in all these traditions, we're seeing an animal used to symbolize creation, rebirth, spring. And the egg, of course, is symbolic of that. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was reading around that the first time the egg was sort of seen um, in literature was mainly in nursery rhymes. When we talk about modern day literature, mm. there was mention of eggs obviously before that, but modern day mm. literature, sort of around the 1500s, eggs were seen as, uh, well, only really recorded in nursery rhymes. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that eggs weren't eaten as much as they were seen as being uh, meat. So with all the uh, holidays, with Easter, with Lent, half the year essentially you couldn't eat meat. So Mm -hmm. they used to save some of the eggs for Easter and the way they used to do that was by dipping them in oil, dipping them in fat wax and then decorating them. And then when it came to Easter, they used to crack them open and eat them. 
actually be a time to be able to do that. I hope that if there's any fat little kids listening to this gorging on their nine Easter eggs, yeah. that they consider some of the tradition and ritual significance and symbolism and history yeah. around their egg as they stuff their faces in four days. I don't think they're going to do it. I, I hope that any parents listening to this will take a firm line on this and just give them boiled eggs. Yeah, well, just yeah. get some fat, get some lard, rub an old egg in lard. And go, there you go, that's that's the way we used to do it. This Easter in your house. <laughs> this, for, yeah, for my, my, my two daughters, that's what yeah. they're getting for Easter. Just lardy eggs. That's all oh they're having. Oh my goodness. Decorated with some soot. That's oh all goodness. they're having. So is that some of your, there's some good facts there actually. I, I think they're pretty good actually. I was quite astounded. I knew about a couple of those, but the mm. one in Australia I thought was quite interesting. Even a more modern day yeah. version of the Easter bunny, I guess. That's very good. Now, I'm a bit concerned we're not concerned I say concerned I'm not concerned about me yeah I mean you you sent me a text about the fact that you have a a song this this episode and I know how great Lambuna was anyone who has the first time listening you should go and listen to what episode was it where you sung Lambuna it's about three or four fast food four or five it was fast food back now yeah Yeah. it was a classic an instant classic Um, you, you went to number I don't know 300 somewhere I think with that song in the UK charts? No, in the UK charts. But no, okay. no, no, the podcast uh, it did really well. We had some very funny uh, comments about it. Uh, some of your students really enjoyed it as well, which I thought was very amusing. Uh, yeah. They were talking about it. And um, yeah, so, so you've, you've come back encore. Round two, ding, ding. Well, I've, I'd like to do a little bit of an introduction. I mean, this relates to the Easter theme in, in the uh, sweet foodstuffs and the running theme of food in the news. And it's the news that uh, Krispy Kreme, or the family, the Reichman family, who own Krispy Kreme donuts, which you see in many coffee shops, supermarkets, um, have recently owned up to their dubious past in the Holocaust and, and paid 11 million in compensation to a Holocaust charity okay. for using slave labour during the Holocaust. So it's, it's a, a bit of a dark theme, okay. um, but I've tried to make light of it and weave it into a classic of the Second World War, okay. which in itself mentions food as one of the favourite things. I'm incredibly worried about this. This is a very tight rope you're, uh, you're walking across. I hope it's tasteful. Well, if any listeners have ever seen The Sound of Music, I'm going to... Destroy it. Destroy that beautiful held memory. Channel that. Okay. Just imagine me wheeling around the Alps with this okay. one. So we're going to listen to it now? Yes. Bottles of Fanta and Krispy Kreme donuts are as linked to the Nazis as Admiral Karl Donitz. It's true, just research it, this may sound uptight, but these are a few food brands associated with the Third Reich. The cola and Dr. Pizza are tied to the Nazis as Friedrich Nietzsche. It's true, just research it, this may sound uptight. But these are a few food brands associated with the Third Reich. Your pizza's ready, when your donut's tasty, when you're eating meatballs in Ikea. Just simply remember their links to Nazi tyranny, and then you might feel... Quite bad. Do you know, it's times like these where I look back at some of the episodes where you just don't like some of the stuff, even the jingles I do, 
and then you just drop the bomb. What What did you think of my song? I thought the timing was uh, was okay. Um, it was it was quite angry in parts. Well, you see all these brands, be it Coca Cola, Doctor Oetker, yeah, yeah, IKEA. Like I mentioned, Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Do people even stop to think of their links to National Socialism in Germany? Probably not. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Quite a recent history, really. I guess so. What, 80 years? Generation ago? Well, they're still paying compensation. Well, okay. All right. So I just thought, you know, along with the sweet theme, I wanted to introduce the sort of bittersweet. Bittersweet. With, With your melodies. Yeah, I mean, what, you, could you? I mean, could you, did you think I channeled my inner Julie Andrews? Then? Well, you were sitting in a dress and spinning around at points. So yeah, yeah. I mean, spitting out angry lyrics. Spitting out angry, anti-fascist lyrics. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Okay. I wonder. I, we'll, we'll see what reception you get this time around. Sorry if I've alienated any of our fascist <laughs> listenership. Um, yeah. In, in yeah. doing so. Yeah, that was a really uh, that was a big part of our listenership, the fascists. So now they've gone. We've got no one who's no one's listening to this. Just me and you talking into a mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to come back. Uh, we've got something we're going to try and eat. Yeah, uh, going to change out of this dress here. Yeah, you better. Yeah, just for this next part. Um, of course, you're totally okay to sit in the dress. I'm not. It's up to you what you do. Okay, but uh, we'll be back. Okay, uh, we're back. Uh, this week I have, we haven't prepared anything this week, but this week I thought I'd go off and buy a Easter treat for the two of us. So uh, we talked a while back, it was actually in the first episode we did almost a year ago, all that time ago, over a year ago even, well over a year ago we did it. And I talked about Kit Kats and how in, in Japan they had all these weird and wonderful flavours like potato flavour and soy sauce flavour. They're always at that kind of thing, the Japanese, aren't they? You mean being innovative? Yes, that's what I mean. Okay, good. And I bought uh, something that I was quite interested in. This is something that they originally released in Japan, which yeah. was Ruby Cocoa Bean. Yeah. So the whole idea behind this was only released about a year ago, but yeah. it's the, like the fourth type of chocolate. So we have dark chocolate, milk chocolate, white chocolate. The fourth dimension, the fourth, fourth wall. Dimension, the fourth, we're breaking it down. Yeah. And so, you have one. You have one here. I have one here, yes. Yeah, so. Ruby cocoa bean Kit Kat. Yeah, so the, the egg as well. So what colour would you say that is? I've opened pink. it for you. Just pink. Cerise. Cerise. Do you want to try a bit? Yep, don't mind if I do. Give it a go. Now, it's supposed to taste a bit fruity and a bit sweet and sour. What do you think? That's nice. First impressions, white chocolate, but then there's definitely a fruity twist there. But this is supposed to be the, they're, they're marketing it as being like the, the fourth chocolate. So it's going to be the fourth chocolate. We're going to see this type of cocoa bean mm. being used you know, with, with a whole variety of products. But at the moment, it's, it's a sort of a closely guarded secret, almost, how they're using it. A closely guarded secret, sure, it's on the shelves. Well, yeah, but I mean... Oh, the, the, how they're going to the market. And, we should um, make clear, we don't receive any money for endorsements like this. This isn't even an endorsement. 
This is just me going to the supermarket. But it's quite good. I'd like to endorse it because it tastes really good. If you like it. Mm. Well, I wanted to, as I said, I wanted to get us to try something a little bit different. As I mentioned last time, it's big in Japan, the, the all the weird different flavours. And this is just a really good example of that. So the ruby coca bean Easter egg. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing about this is what we're seeing, people are, bec- are wanting experiences. So... We're seeing all these weird and wonderful flavors coming out. So I didn't mention it before, but when I had a look in in, um, in the news about Easter eggs, Waitrose always pops up because Heston's always doing something weird and wonderful. And I tried to lay my hands on one of them, sold out, sold out weeks and weeks before Easter. So there's an avocado egg. It looks like an avocado, but it's an egg. That man is an Egypt. He's not. He's an Egypt. All well, the best I could do is I bought a uh, these are egg joyables. Yeah. Built cream mousse by. Dairy fine. But again, now, it's they I, look like real eggs. Well, real I egg thought products. that was remarkable, but you were saying apparently that, that's been done before. Yeah, dairy milk do that already. But It's, it's in an egg than, carton, for yeah. listeners. It's in an egg carton. I actually mistook these for eggs. <laughs> you didn't. Real eggs. No, you didn't. Well, I didn't. But then later <laughs> on, going down a different aisle, I saw real eggs, yeah. and I thought, are they milk cream mousse eggs with two spoons? Well, this is the included. clever thing. It's an experience, isn't it? Because you... you you usually take the top of it, use the spoon to eat it. And again, we're seeing these weird and wonderful, wacky, different ways of packaging and people mm. are more, not susceptible, it's probably the wrong, wrong word, I think, but... Kids are getting fatter. Yeah. And they're getting fatter in many different ways. They are, yeah, essentially. Mm. Yeah. So there you go, that's what, I, it was just something to try. It's Easter, we celebrate having a new chocolate in our lives. Well, the ru- I'm, I'm quite impressed with, the, impressed with the ruby cocoa. Maybe that'll become a staple of chocolate Maybe. in the future. It certainly yeah. does taste different. It does. I'm going to lead on to my favourite section, which is Book Corner. And how apt it is that we're in the potato potato room. Yes. I'm afraid I've expended all my energy channeling Julie Andrews and yep. that homage to the taste of music, which highlighted perhaps some of the more serious links between sweet treats and, and Nazis. Nazism. <laughs> uh, so I haven't got a jingle for Book Corner, I'm afraid, this week, or no one to introduce, no special guest. You know, it's been a bit busy. We've come towards the end of term, you know, towards Easter. Santa's uh, Santa's waiting in the wings. Well, he can just um, toddle off and okay. do, well, until December, if at all. In any case, I have a book to recommend about Easter eggs, and there's certainly a section. Well, it's not specifically devoted to Easter and Easter eggs, but it's by Magellan Toussaint Sama. Okay. And it is uh, a history of foods. It's quite a, it's quite a weighty time. It's a famous book, and she does devote quite a bit to Easter eggs. And quite a bit, interestingly, medieval practices around uh, eggs, egg fights, egg rolling. Oh, really? And actually, this is a global history. You know, Chester, Chester, around Chester Cathedral up the road yeah. from us here, gets mentioned here in terms of egg fights. But she goes into the traditions there, some of which we've mentioned, of course, yeah. tying into the, to the Christian traditions, etc. She does mention uh, on Easter Day in Greece, it's traditional to go to the cemetery hmm. uh, to commune with your dead. Okay. And bring eggs with you. Really? And eat an egg and offer an egg to your dead family member. Right. I don't know if you'll be doing that this Easter day. No, no. No. But that is, yeah, some of the, she goes into some of the, the different it's interesting traditions around the world around eggs, Easter, again, rebirth, renewal. Sounds good. Yeah. So that's, that's the recommendation. Uh, were you impressed with my pronunciation? I don't know if you've said it right or not. French is not my uh, forte. If we've any French listeners, yeah, please, please, uh, just berate 
Dr. Bryce Evans on, on Twitter, please. Yeah, my details are publicly available. They online are, yeah, all of them. Do wish to break me. If not, just look at the uh, the, um, the polling data. You can find uh, anything you need there. Now, uh, before we finish up, we've got something very exciting to announce. Very exciting, yes. We're off to London. We're off to the big, the big schmork. Yeah. We're going to do quite a few episodes, I believe, in London too. Well, we've got some really exciting things because, you know... London, London clay, cutting edge. It is cutting edge. Gastronomic capital. Cutting edge of history. Historic capital. Yeah. Gastronomy, innovations around food. We're going to be sampling that. We're also going to um, very exciting exhibition running at the British Museum currently on the history of food. That's this is going to be a couple of really good episodes to look forward to. You're really excited about it too, aren't you? Very much excited about that. Yeah. Well, all I can say is, everyone who's listening, uh, keep listening, uh, keep telling your friends. As we say every week, if you don't like this, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Keep and it to yourself. Wish us well as, as we migrate all the way south for this spring period. Yeah. From the north of Liverpool to slightly further south yeah. to London. So, from Mad Facts Beyond the Ponder Dome. Till the, the next time. <laughs>